Yeah. This has been Chapel Bell Curve. <laughs> yeah. Let's try it again. This yeah. has been Chapel Bell Curve. Let's try it a third time. Take it a third. Old three take. Old three take Justin. Four take Nathan. We're coming coming in together. We're I think we're up to six takes. All right. Yeah. You gotta stop. All right. <laughs> Welcome to Shuffle Bell Curve, a stats-focused podcast about UGA football. I'm Nathan. And I'm Justin. And we are here today at the glorious end of football's yearly interregnum. Uh, we are here to mm. celebrate the coming of the king and the queen. The king and queen are dead. Long live the king and queen. Uh, we are here to No do gods, some... no masters, though. Yeah, no gods, no masters. We're not monarchists here. I meant more of like the king and queen of the Sealy Court. The only okay, the only mar- the better. only monarchy I support is the fairy monarchy because at least they're inscrutable, you know. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. carry on. Let's talk about let's talk about some season preview season stuff. We're gonna we're gonna start yeah. our season preview series today, and instead of doing like offense defense, the way we're gonna divide these up now, just uh, as a an, an attempt to not do what everyone else does, which I think our last episode made made very clear that we are not gonna do what everybody else does. Um, we, instead of doing offense and defense, we're going to do returning value and incoming value. So mm-hmm, we talk mm-hmm. a lot in the stats community about returning production, like stats returning, yards returning, EPA returning. And we're going to have a little bit of that, but we're also going to be talking today about just the general sort of, uh, what's the word conceptual things that UGA has returning. Can you build a championship defense out of that conceptual stuff? Right. And from there we're going to get into some returning production uh we're also going to talk about some news we're going to talk about some recruiting updates a little bit and then we have a lot of very good ask cbcs i'm sure that by the time we get to ask cbcs we'll be we will be fully off the rails fully engaged fully actualized moist we'll just be moisturized staying in our lane thriving wet Uh, from head to toe wet from head to toe just like every ask cbc uh every we are just we are amazonian toads uh, during the SCBC <laughs> segment, fully moisturized, staying in our lane, thriving. Oh all right. They're just the wettest toads. Yeah, we are the wettest toads. Um, all right. Based on our performance in Mario Kart last week, I'm going to go ahead and say that Justin is the wettest toad. He's a slippery boy in Easily. Mario Kart. All right. <laughs> let's, uh, let's, talk about, let's talk about some news updates. Do you have any news? Uh, we have some big news. We have some, we have some podcast business news. Do you want to start with that? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Well, um, you may have heard in the last episode too that we were looking for um, podcast editors, and uh, the last episode was edited by somebody else. And so, um, I think it did pretty good. Um, we haven't necessarily decided on one single podcast editor, and so if uh, that means you know we could have multiple podcast editors, we might have one podcast editor. So if you'd still like to throw your hat in the ring, feel free to do so. So let us know. Yeah, in the appropriate venues. Yeah, if you want to, I think the best thing to do, because a lot of people have been DMing me, I say a lot, but it's it's more than five, and yeah. my answer is that Justin is the guy who knows more about audio than me, and you should be DMing both of us, so please DM Chapel Bell Curve, and we will try to accept your messages and get back with you. It is a little weird that we're doing sort of like a reality show game, I know, to see who is the best editor by just <laughs> asking people to guest edit, but, uh, you know, the the process of editing and the art of editing involves like a very high level of comfort and trust. And we want to find someone who fits what we want to do and knows can has kind of a feel for 
our our process here as mercurial <laughs> and it. nonsensical. I was just about to make a joke about the journey or the process, but you said it first because I've been watching a whole lot of Bachelorette this season. And uh, yeah, yeah, just trust the process. I'm here yeah, for this journey. Like we, I want you to respect out, our journey. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we, we are giving out roses. You know what I mean? And so we've had one rose awarded. And by the time you listen to this, we may have the same rose awarded again or a different rose. So who knows? Uh, Could be. This is, you know, this is definitely has more to do with us being indecisive and not us playing some kind of weird mind game. In, in, in all seriousness. But we though, are like, going to date one of you. Yeah. one that is I mean, going we, to happen. That is a, a sloppy tripod is sort of implied in the whole arrangement, I think. <laughs> you know. What else we got? Yeah. So we have some llama art commissioned um we were talking about variants of uga football players and we came up that uh that one of our football players may be a very sexual llama and i, I have this spoken, podcast I, I love it i have spoken <laughs> to a a professional artist and i have commissioned him to draw a said llama and it may or may not be coming to merch said llama which it's is fair. i'm going to say legally separate from any person on uga's football team just a very sexy llama that we will associate with uh, Chapel Bell Curve. Mm-hmm. Other than that, I mean, I guess, you know, other than the stuff that no one cares about, there is some sort of like big SEC news, which is that when last we recorded, Texas and Oklahoma had just applied for membership and things were sort of in process. But now Texas and OU have officially moved through the process. The vote has been taken. The white smoke has come out of the chimney. There is a new pope. And we, are, uh, we are headed for a bigger batter uh i would say slightly more douchey sec if that was even possible but here we are mm. um <laughs> we if you want to hear our thoughts on that you can go back to our last episode which is our off season number two uh and this is yep, going to yep, be yep. our season preview number one so we would encourage you to listen to that it gets way off the rails we think it is very good it is just our our kind of very good so uh we also have some new stuff specifically for uga uh Specifically, UGA has had a little bit of recruiting momentum since the last time we recorded. Uh, the number one key, uh, cornerback in the 2022 class and consensus five-star Jaheim Singletary has decommitted from OSU. UGA is considered to be probably the leader in the clubhouse in his recruitment. He visited a couple of schools, including I'm going to say Auburn, before he decommitted. Um, but that would be a very big get for us personally. We had a whole big caveat about recruiting in the past uh, episode that mm-hmm. we don't follow it very closely, but it's important for all of us to keep up with it. And, you know, right now UGA is in a pretty admirable position from about 95% of uh, teams' perspectives. But for UGA to continue to do what it needs to do, we need to be in the top, you know, five of recruiting. I believe right now we are at like sixth or seventh. I'll have to double check that. This is great audio as I type on my, doing very, it, loud, doing it. my very loud <laughs> mechanical keyboard. They were, they, were, baby. they were like, get into mechanical keyboards, they said. It won't affect anything bad about your life. Uh, I got into mechanical keyboards the exact same time my wife had to teach from home last year. And so that was uh, fortuitous timing for me mm-hmm. and her. Pleasant. It's great. It's pleasant. And all the children. Yeah. Everyone thinks you're a really fast typer, but it's just because your, your keyboard's are very loud. You could be a very clo- yes. slow. You could be a slow typer, but on a mechanical keyboard, you sound like you sound like a 1960s like typist kind of person. Like a, a, you mm-hmm. sound like a court recorder. So currently UGA is sixth overall in class rankings, which is, you know, a pretty good, I mean, sixth overall with 14 commits, the top, you know, two of the top three have 20 and 24 respectively in Notre Dame and Penn state. 
So UJ is expected to sign a full 25 this year, maybe 24, depending on if uh, Eric Gilbert, how he does. But there are still obviously a lot of like very, very, very good players in play uh, of the 2022 player rankings. UG, uh, let's see, number two, number three, number six, seven, eight, nine, and 10 are all uncommitted. And several of those are at least UGA is in the picture. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah. That's our. That's your weekly. That's your weekly recording. Uh, your weekly recruiting update. Yeah. Uh, in some other news, UGA's spring or I guess fall camp started today. Not spring camp. Thank God. UGA's fall camp started today, which is very exciting. We saw some very good. You know, UGA's media team tends to, uh, continues to kill it, and we had saw mm-hmm. some very good like first day of school and kindergarten pictures with like a chalkboard and like my friends are the whole defense and my teacher is Mister <laughs> Hankton or whatever. Very good stuff there. And, you know, just there's some incitement in the air. It seems like based on what Kirby has been saying that JT Daniels is apparently in very good shape. We found out yesterday that JT Daniels is also in very good mental shape. With That's very happy. We're happy for his his continued mental health journey. And there's a very good video on the SEC Network's Twitter account, if you haven't seen it, that has just JT talking about his journey through the pressure of mental health. And we are a very pro-therapy podcast, so we're very excited about that for him. Mm-hmm. also apparently Jermaine Burton is coming back into form he had a smaller knee injury earlier in the year that's very good he is outside of you know Keir, I guess Dominic Blaylock probably he is and Kiers Jackson he is uh, mm-hmm. UGA's most proven wide receiver commodity uh, yes. I think you would say if you count transfers you take Eric Gilbert there but uh, you know in terms of actual returners from the team in 2020 um, 2020 that Jermaine Burton is someone that we're going to rely on, especially since he plays a much different position than Dominic Blaylock and Kyrus Jackson, who sort of yeah. cover each other up in the slot sometimes. So, uh, yeah. Speaking seems... of injuries, too, Rosemi uh, Jackson is looking good as well. Yeah. Uh, from what I understand, also uh, coming back from an injury. So some sort of not good news. Uh, Justin Ross has been well. I guess good news in the in the sense good that. News. We're very happy for him, his journey through to health. But Justin Ross has been officially uh, cleared to return as of about three hours ago. Today is Friday the 6th. And mm-hmm. he, it looks like he will be back on field. You know, it's obviously we're very happy that he's healthy. We'll see how ready he is to play. He had a, a neck and spine surgery last, last season. He's apparently in the COVID protocol. So knock on wood. That he is, you know, good vibes towards him, that everything goes well there. But on the one hand, I'm happy for him because I want everyone to be healthy. But on the other hand, that is, that's a, that's a tough one for Georgia. That's yeah. a, a much harder first game, which of course we will preview that in detail when we get into it. So later, let's get to the meat of the site, the meat of the, the show here. Oh, yes. Our, our Returning shows, value, my man. Yeah. Our shows are like really bad sandwiches where the meat of the show is always very small. And then the bottom slice of bread for the SCBC is always like three inches thick. You know, <laughs> that's my, we're, we're like a well, plowman's that's, lunch. That's truly some like off season. Sandwich. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So let's, let's talk about returning value. So mm-hmm. we, we don't know what mean, it is. Why well, is it important? You know, Justin, you pitched this to me and I think it's a really, it's a really good idea. So the idea is that we talk a lot about returning production, which is just what percentage of, of your yards or your EPA or whatever is coming back to the team. But you sort of pitched that we would talk about returning value, which is to say not just the percentages, but also sort of from a more macro 
conceptual level what is coming back to the team you know what what are the building blocks of this team from just a purely unit level not just from the mm -hmm. stats level um and so we have some stats and i'd like to talk about returning production but then i, I also want to just get into you know i think one of the things that has led uga fans astray is that sometimes if you don't think about your team conceptually which is to say if you don't back out and just think about unit by unit position room by position room overall composition of the team that you can miss big holes in the team right so in 2019 one of the things that we missed was that you know the interior offensive line when faced with high level defensive line talent was just not very good and mm -hmm. when you add that to the conceptual element of a very conservative offensive play caller you know you end up with the south carolina game right and so mm -hmm. I, I I'd like to just sort of do this as a sort of sanity check on all of our very, very realistic excitement, right? I, I think when you talk about returning value, the returners on this team can and probably should go to the, uh, they can and should win the national championship and it will be a disappointment if they do not go to the CFP. Like that's how, that's, that's yeah. the level of talent on this team just to start out. So I think it's important when you are dealing with those lofty heights. I mean, I, I think that from both a numbers and also just eye test subjective, whatever you want, however you want to call it, UGA is the most talented team in college football this year. So I think when you have that level of talent, it's important to sort of sanity check yourself with a, you know, with some numbers, but also just with some more macro heuristic thinking. So, Bill Conley has released some very good returning production numbers. So uh, his returning production numbers, they weight returning production based on how important it is. So for instance, uh, one of the one of the big things that is really important in his production numbers is uh, cornerbacks. So cornerback mm -hmm. snaps are rated higher than other snaps and offensive line snaps are rated lower because offensive linemen can, off, can sometimes plug and play. There, there's all sorts of adjustments. So one of the big themes in 2021 in the national college football landscape right now is that returning production is through the roof. There's a whole class of seniors that had the option to be super seniors that could basically come back for, you know, a sixth or fifth or seventh year, even sometimes without counting against their eligibility. So the, the average from of returning production from 2014 to 2020 was 62.6%. That's the average. Right now, mm -hmm. Georgia has 65% returning production per Bill Connolly's number. So that would be above the national average. That would put them in the middle of the pack in most years. Uh, this year, Georgia is currently 110th in pr returning production. You know, that's that's pretty wild. Just starting there, for just from the national level, that's that's pretty crazy, right? I mean, it, it's very clear that a mm -hmm. lot of these lower-level teams just had entire classes of seniors who just were like, let's just run it back this year. So, you know, yeah. you've got Toledo has 97% of its... Uh, production returning wyoming louisiana arizona state uh florida atlantic nevada ucla they are all above 93 percent in fact to get below 90 percent, you have to go all the way down to the 16th team in the nation and returning production at washington state so th on the one hand it is concerning in the sense that you know uga is probably going to play some teams that have an older roster than ugas but on the other if you look at the bottom you know 10 to 15 you see some pretty uh, pretty interesting names. You have Clemson at 104th. Mm -hmm. You have Georgia at 110th. You have Alabama. I think is in the bottom 100, but I can't. I can't put my eyes on them. They right are now. one twentieth or so. I saw one twenty three. 
Yeah, one twenty-three. Notre Dame actually, or uh, Alabama has very uh, very little returning protection at fifty-six percent. Notre Dame has fifty-five. Ohio State has fifty-one. So, you know, I think all of those teams with low returning production are still going to be fine. The the thing is, if your returning production sucks, it doesn't really matter. You know what I mean? If mm-hmm. you return a hundred percent of your snaps from the previous year, but the players who were taking those snaps aren't good, that doesn't really get you very far. You know, uh, one of the ways that small teams improve is turnover, right? And churn. So I don't know how much stock to put in that other than the fact that it really points out that we are replacing a lot of production in the defensive backfield. Um, yeah. We have some other stats. Do you want to hit more stats or do you want to talk about some just like observations and uh, bigger, bigger picture stuff? I think just to, to, to really, the whole point of, of talking about this production value piece is like, normally this is a lot more important than it is this year, but it is still pretty important this year just because we can look through this list of the entire nation of college football teams and kind of find which teams are the ones we're going to be playing this year. And the, once you start finding those, you kind of start seeing, and this this list start, kind of starts making sense. Is all I'm trying to say. Like the teams that we're worried about this year, of course, Clemson and Florida are are probably the two biggest games we have on a regular season schedule. And Florida being at 121, and Clemson being at uh, where was it? What we said just a moment ago, 104. Mm-hmm. It, it has it start making a lot more sense. And if you go down the list of like one to ten, it is a lot more smaller schools. It's schools that those kids are taking you know victory laps and they're trying to get noticed uh as some of the best players in their team and so it's just a weird year for the team one one thing one thing i said in a couple episodes ago is i would be curious to see start going through rosters of any sec schools where students did take that extra year of eligibility and this kind of proves that that really isn't the case um unless it's a lot of players that did not get starter uh did not get a lot of starter snaps and and now they might is the idea and that's going to be the case for georgia as well we have a lot of players that are going to be moving up um because we did lose a lot of great players but um i am i'm interested to see how this pans out i am not as concerned about it as i would be in normal years if it was a normal year though we'd be well above average Um, yeah just be interesting to see but yeah i mean i i think if you look at like the the lowest ranked or I guess the highest ranked SEC teams on in terms of returning production per Bill Colony. You have Arkansas mm-hmm. at seventy one, you have Auburn at seventy four. And that's Vanderbilt at fifty first and eighty first. Yeah. Vanderbilt at fifty first. But it's you know, it's it's sort of a weird inverse correlation in some ways. Not not in every instance, but some of these where it's like, yeah, if seniors who had a choice to come back and came back are those who had no shot at the NFL, right? Or, you know, just mm-hmm. uh, people on smaller teams trying to get rid- noticed. Or in a few rare exceptions, you had guys coming running it back because they thought they could improve their draft stock and they would have a good year, right? So you have those first two mm-hmm. categories, and then you have sort of like the Devonta Wyatts of the world. Devonta Wyatt probably could have made it on practice squad or gotten a, a late-round draft pick if he had gone out last year. But he came back, I think, A, because he'll improve his draft mm-hmm. stock, and B, because he has a legitimate shot of winning the title, right? So I... Yeah, I, yeah. I wouldn't put too much into the raw stats. Now, we have some breakout stats that I think are a little bit more interesting to me personally. Mm -hmm. Um, Hit me with them. Yeah. So if we look at – I have returning PPA and I have returning um, like totals. So if you look at Georgia, overall 62% returning production. Now, this is – pardon me while I put it just pause – 
briefly, this is from a different source. Uh, the earlier numbers we had were from Bill Connolly. These are from uh, Josh Hancher at Dog Stats via, I think, CFB Stats, which is a very, very, very good source for college football. Sorry, CFB mm-hmm, data, mm-hmm. which is a very good source for college football data. Uh, so if you look at Georgia, they have 62% returning production uh, per CFB, but then 84% offensive, 39% defensive, right? Um, that to me is really, the, that's sort of the story. Uh, Georgia has mm-hmm. the most, you know, close to the most, if not the most returning production on offense in the SEC. So if we, if we run on some other offensive SEC teams, Alabama, 33% returning. That makes sense, right? Uh, Florida, 41% mm-hmm. returning. You lose Kyle Trask and Kyle Pitts. Uh, let's see. LSU, 82% returning up there. So that's like one of the better ones. Missouri is the other one at the top of the conference in terms of returning production at 72 or at 82 as well in terms of offensive returning production. But there's really an inverse, right, where you have, you know, UGA with 39% and then kind of the next closest Missouri at 62% defensively. So it's weird because in the breakout numbers, what you see is that like UGA has you know, one of the most easy bets, one of the safest bets in college football is UGA's defense in the last few years. But at the same time, this year, the the real proven commodity in some ways is the offense, right? That I think it it bodes well for UGA because if you want, Mm -hmm. you would want, you want a Kirby Smart team to have question marks on defense, if that makes sense. Because Kirby Smart has proven that he can answer those questions. He hasn't necessarily proven Mm -hmm. that he can answer questions about offense. Right. And if we if we look yeah. if we look at the offensive breakout stats by position, it, it's actually even more kind of stark. Um, so I also have per Josh and CFB data, the uh, the returning uh, PPA, which is uh, is points per attempt. It's sort of like a holistic stat of how much each, you know, uh, how many points each segment of the team or each player adds to the given team score. So Georgia has 69 percent of its total offensive PPA coming back. It has 59% of its passing PPA, which is crazy because you're only getting back Stetson Bennett. And you, like, I would love to see the breakdown by player, what who contributed to what, because the only player you're getting that, that threw a pass from last year are Stetson Bennett and JT Daniels. And I would really love to see what percentage is which like of those two. You know what I mean? If you have 59% returning, um, 82% returning receiving production, 63% returning rushing production, the, or not production, but PPA or EPA. So 82% re- returning receiving PPA is pretty impressive. That number is, I mean, it's pretty good, right? I mean, I think that number might be slightly inflated because of George Pickens. But if you look in the SEC, like Texas A&M has 86% coming back. Vanderbilt has 92% coming back. And then after UGA at 82% of uh, uh, receiving production, you have like a 15-point gap down to Arkansas. Alabama actually has 22% of its returning um, receiving PPA coming back. I would, I think I'm not quite at the Richard Johnson level of like Alabama's going to lose two or three games to go to the citrus bowl, but 22%, <laughs> I mean, 22% receiving PPA coming back 4% passing PPA, 28% rushing PPA. Yes. Does Alabama have 35, five stars to replace the, that production? Yes. But that's a lot to come back. Right. I mean, that's a lot. Yeah, that's like a 15 whole bunch. Yeah. I mean, 15%, Pat, uh, overall PPA returning for Alabama. I mean, that's, that's pretty hardcore. So I, I guess my, my returning value, my first returning value thought is 
pretty pretty it, it's good news what UGA has coming back on offense. That is very obvious. But I think from a conceptual level, you know, having those numbers broken down by receiving, passing, rushing, and that being so stark, I think it kind of just bodes well. I think we're going to score a lot of points this year. You know, Kirby Smart came out today and said that they were catching up with the Alabamas in the 2019 LSUs of the world. I think we have a very good deep running back core. I think that Warnick Erickson and Jamari Sawyer should be the anchors for the offensive line. I will be shocked if we don't score low 40s a game this year. Yeah. So that's my Ooh. first conceptual thing. Do you have anything else about the offense? You're thinking just about what's coming back just from a like players or just positions that are coming back that excite you? Um, I, I mean, I, I will say earlier in the year when we heard about, you know, Pickens and Blaylock being out, I was a little bit concerned. But with uh, the moving back into the receiving core and everything, I'm feeling a lot better. I'm also um, I was just distracted a moment ago by a uh, the dog camp check in pictures <laughs> And Darnell Washington holding like a 65 inch TV with one hand, like it's just like a iPad tablet. It's incredible. But, uh, you know, I'm pretty excited about our team, uh, regardless of the the issues we have in, in, you know, in the injury report. I think it's going to be okay, is what your numbers are telling me. Yeah, I mean, I, I think offensively, certainly, I think that I think that just from returning value that this team has a national championship level offense, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I think we're going to have to figure out some other stuff. Yeah. Well, tell me about those things we're going to have to figure out. Well, you know, defensively, the numbers aren't as good. Right. And so, yeah, I, I think instead of looking at the numbers, you got to sort of look at because the numbers aren't good. If you want to do anything else than despair, you have to really look at sort of like what is coming back from just a purely, like, what are we coming back that we're excited about outside of the numbers, right? So yeah, things I think about the edge players, right? Adam St. Anderson. Adam Anderson might be the best player on the team. I think he's the highest rated team per pro football fo- on the team returning per pro football focus. He's ridiculous. Um, I think he's uh-huh. going to be a three-down player this year. He is the, probably the best edge rusher on the team, and that puts him ahead yeah. of Nolan Smith, who was like the overall number one recruit a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Just a lot of really good edge players, really good interior defensive line. Like, other than Clemson, maybe the best interior defensive line in the nation. I mean, you just have so many good players. Jordan Davis, Devonta Wyatt, who I think is really secretly sort of a glue guy. Jalen Carter is going to, in his sophomore year, be ridiculous. Travon Walker is, you know, just quietly going to be a top two or three round draft pick, right? Um, really good sa- really good safety core. And I would include, I would include like money and dime players in that. Uh, mm-hmm. Tyke Smith and Lewis Seen are as good as anybody in the nation. Seen is a thumper. You know, I, I I know we probably should put the we should probably put the these transfers in the arriving production category, uh, episode, the arriving value cat, uh, episode. Mm-hmm. But you know, the fact that you, I don't think it can be overstated the degree to which Kirby Smart's moves in the transfer portal are just complete coups. Um, and <laughs> I, I seriously, I, I think that Kirby Smart's actions of the transfer portal this summer might define his career. If he wins a national title this year, it will be a, a significant amount of the credit of that will go to his actions in the transfer portal. You know, if you think about yeah. it, I think sometimes you put the name Georgia on stuff, you put the name of your team on something and it kind of clouds your vision of like how important things are. But if you just like take the name off of it and you think very talented team, blue blood, right? You think like Ohio state. 
right? Very good offense coming back, has some defensive holes, especially in the defensive backfield. Goes out and gets a former starter at a top three or four school, right? And then gets the possibly best returning safety in the nation in the transfer portal. Like, if you take the names off that, it's ridiculous, right? You would... Mm-hmm. You would accuse that team of cheating, and I'm aware that many <laughs> many have. And many I would have. say, if you think UGA is cheating, then like join the club, bud. I do too. But if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. These kids should be getting <laughs> paid. Um, but I, I just think that the the work done in the transfer portal, but also just like the core of the defense is there. Mm-hmm. I think the concern is, you know, if you want to talk about like conceptual positives, I think it's just. Basically, every position on the field but cornerback is a positive and is like a top two or three defense. The cornerback mm-hmm. room has a lot of talent. You got Darian Kidrick coming in as a transfer. But, you know, we're, we're living in a world where you have to have good corners. You, you can have corners that will occasionally get burned, but you have to have corners who can stand up in big moments and who can, you know, cover Chris Olave and Justin Ross because that's, mm-hmm. that's the rarefied air we're talking about. Like, most corners in UJ's cornerback room could probably cover the best receiver on Vanderbilt or Arkansas or whatever, but that's not why you're getting these five stars, right? You can do that with four stars and three stars. You're getting the five stars because somebody has to, you know, if not lock down, then at least get some stops against these like human highlight reel freaks of nature, right? And so <laughs> that, that I think that is sort of the friction point in this defense between the way that football is played and who we have returning. It's yeah. just that the pressure on cornerback cores is intense. And even if UGA plays 42, if UGA scores 42 points a game, which I think they can, you still are going to need cornerbacks who can get two to three reliable stops a game. Right. And you don't need a lot, but you have to get that, you know? So that's, I think that's sort of the conceptual worry and the conceptual positives. The positive yeah. side of that, I think to me is that, if we go back to our like replacement level replacement, like war replacement level player theory that we've talked about in the past where it's like sometimes getting a guy who's just good enough is actually very good. If Mm -hmm. UGA finds two cornerbacks that are just good enough, not that are like the best cornerbacks in the nation, but are in like the top 15 or 20, they can win a national title. I mean, if you, if you find a very good cornerback who's like a top five cornerback, you should win the national title. Like that's the era oh, yeah. we're in right now. This is not. Yeah. I I don't know I don't know how to talk about this team really. Like we we have spent a lot. <laughs> no, seriously, we've spent a long time being about as realistic as we can. Yeah, and and it's like you you should win the national title this year. Like you if you yeah the truth if you stay healthy is like yeah you you were you mentioned earlier that there's like a question mark on the defensive side of the ball. And sure, there there is there are a few question marks, but I just feel like like looking at this list, there are seven potential like first five round draft picks. Easily, I think two of them could go in the first the top two. And yeah, then I mean three and or four of them could go in the top four. Yeah, I mean, and if Jalen Carter, Travon Walker, and Adam Anderson don't go in the first two rounds, I would something has gone wrong. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where it's like if we will look back on this defensive side of the ball, this like this defensive squad, and think if we don't win, man, we really missed out. If we do yeah, win it all, yeah, we will think that when do we get that back? Okay, okay. And, so I, I'm so worried about getting over my skis here because you're getting yeah, me well, I know, but I was already I was already one of those. Up. 
I was already pretty riled up, but but you're getting me even more riled up because really, in, in some ways, if you think about like really important classes in the history of programs, you know, mm-hmm. I think we would all agree that that 2017 senior class, you know, Nick, highlighted by Nick Chubb, but many others, was a very important class in the history of college football, right? I mean, it was in the history of UGA football at least, right? Mm-hmm. But I don't think it was quite like the Ed Reed Ray Lewis classes in Miami, right? And and if UGA wins a national title and then goes to another in the next couple of years, I think you're going to look at this defensive group and be like, that was the group, right? That was the group of all those all-stars or, pro, you know, mm-hmm. all those pro bowlers. That was the group. Because, I mean, we know what JT Daniels is. We know what some of these wide receivers are. But, I mean, I'm just telling you, man, this defensive, the interior of this defense, like, you're not running on this team. They're going to run tight no. front all year long. They're going to run the money front, which is I don't want to get into it too much, but it's just like a tight front with an outside rusher. They're going to, or they call it not money, but they call it mint. They're going to run the mint front the whole time. You're not going to be able to run stretch zone on them. I mean, good luck if you're like Missouri and you run this wide zone shit, that's not going to happen against this team. Cause you have like two or three dudes who run, you know, five, five or run four or five forties on the outside edge, maybe four, fours on a good day. Right. You know, I mean, where are you getting pushed on this interior defensive line, right? Like, and and you're gonna have to throw the ball on this in the, on this team. And and this, this, I think Tyke Smith is a really important player. And I think you know mm-hmm. we're in we're in the moment, so I guess we can just talk about him. But like, yeah, Tyke Smith is a guy who has a. I, I think I said this on Dog Sports Live when I came back a couple, um, when I was on Dog Sports Live a few weeks ago. Like, Tyke Smith has a Roquan Smithness to him. And I'm not mm-hmm. saying he's as good as Rokon Smith, but he if you watch his highlights, he is a guy that sometimes just runs to the ball. You know, when we when you watch Roquan and he really knew what he when he was really in this stride at the end of 2017, he was a dude who it it would almost look like the ball was snapped and he knew where it was going and he just went to go pick it up like really, really casually. And there are times when Tyke Smith does that from the money position. And and that that sort of dime cornerback mint or you know, nickel quarterback position, that that is the position that fills the inside linebacker role right now. It is it is the most sort of it it is the hot corner of the modern defense. And and I think I don't know, man. I think this could be a special year. I'm pr- I'm trying not to jinx it. I'm trying not to jinx it. Like who knows what's going to happen. But you're right though. Like I I I do feel like this is one of those teams where you're going to look back on it like ten years from now and be like, can you believe they let like uh like like. Darnell Washington and JT Daniels and Eric Gilbert be on the same team. Can you believe yeah. that was legal kind of thing? Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. Like, like I'm not joking when I say that I saw today that 90% of UJ's team is vaccinated and literally thought to myself like, Oh, well then we should win the title. Yeah, that's true. Like, I mean, like if this team stays healthy and if COVID doesn't do what COVID does, which, Hey, it could. And what, what are you going to do then? Right. But I, I mean, I okay. A lot of the way that I organize my thoughts about sports, I do sort of these like um, I don't want to be pretentious, but it's something something akin to like a thought experiment, right? Or just like Nathan's mind palace, and in Justin's mind palace, it's just Nathan trying out for the Olympic trampoline gymnastics, <laughs> and and I don't know, like rollerblading and stuff, and and probably like, yeah, and and hot rod or whatever. I cannot but, confirm like, nor deny it. Yeah, my mind palace, you know, there's some llamas in there and stuff, but a lot of my mind palace, I just think about things. I try to think about things from like, I do thought experiments from like the 10,000 foot view. That's what I try to do is think about things from just like as objectively as I can in the most generic way possible. So 
one of the kind of litmus tests I try to think about is like, what does this team have to do? What has to break for this team to win the national championship? So like, for instance, I think a really good example of a team that has an interesting answer to this is like last year's Florida team, right? You have Kyle Pitts, you have Kyle Trask, you have a incredible wide receiver core. You have Kadarius Tony, you have, you know, like a record breaking uh, offense, right? So mm-hmm. you would say all that you have to do pretty much is just have a, you know, top 25% defense and they couldn't do it. Right. And, and, and that was what held them back. And if you look at Al- as a contrast, if you look at Alabama last year, what did Alabama, what had to break for Alabama to win the national title? Mac Jones had to mm-hmm. be just like, okay. And then it turned out that Mac Jones was very good. And then we had Al- 2020 Alabama. Right. So yeah. what does UGA, what has to break for UGA? to win the national title? Well, the first answer to that question for every team is you have to stay healthy. Can't really control that, that's what it is. So then then the, the question I put to you and to anyone who's thinking about this is like, not not the perfect scenario, just like what what is the bare minimum that has to happen to this team at UGA development, whatever, for them to win the national title? Because the list is short, I think. Hmm. You know, JT Daniels just is takes a half step forward, not even a step forward, just, not Cleans even a little bit yeah. up. Cleans up his deep I mean, ball mechanics. He's been dropping all sorts of hints um, over the last several weeks. Every time that anybody ever speaks to them, they just keep on asking him questions, and he keeps responding with, "You know, the answer is just I do more reps." And yeah. it's just like he—he's just—they're not even that cryptic. The the responses he's giving, but they are enough information for me to feel good about his production and his growth over the the past off season. Yeah, yeah. So that's one thing. JT Daniels has to take one quarter of a step forward. So what's others? Mm-hmm. So you have you have to have the you know, offensive line has to gel, right? You yes. got a lot of five stars, but offensive line, you gotta figure out the offensive line. Figure then, out the puzzle of those those guys, figuring out where to put Jamari Sawyer first off, and then yeah. where do you put the rest of them around him? Right. And then you have to find a cornerback. Yeah. And that's the list. So like if you think about each college football season as a series of logic gates where you either do the thing you need to win or you don't do the thing to need to win, the team with the fewest logic gates wins the most often. You know, if you think about like you have, you're like flipping coins to see whether or not the things that are going to happen need to happen for you win the national title, right? A lot of teams have to flip like 2,000 coins and all of them have to live, win on like land on the edge and balance mm-hmm. to win the natty to win the natty UGA has had teams in the last few years where you have to flip 10 coins and they have to come up the right way. Right. I, I think you have to flip like two or three this year. Mm-hmm. And that's just from the returning value. That's not freshman. I mean, that's not even, we haven't even talked about offensive transfers, right? Like what has to go right? Well, you have to be average lucky An average lucky UGA team will win the natty. Now, UGA hasn't had very many average lucky teams. (laughs) So, of course, that's the concern. But, I I mean, I don't know, man. I mean, that's – I hate to be reductive, but that's kind of all I got. (laughs) Like, this is a team that's (laughs) – this is the most talented team in the nation that has, like, three question marks. And if they answer two of them, like, at the bare minimum 70, you know, C's get degrees level, they should Mm -hmm. go to the CFP. If they answer all of them, they should win. Can I say even – even like shit talking Dan Mullen didn't have much to say. 
yeah. when asked this year. Like, uh, I think it was earlier this week, somebody said in one of his media, um, uh, what do you call them? It, press conferences. Uh, they asked him, you know, how do you feel about everything going on? Like everybody falling in love with Georgia over the offseason. He just kind of kind of brushed it off, to be honest. He was like, oh, we'll see, kind of thing. Instead of like being like doubled down Dan Mullen, which is essentially what he is, um, he just kind of rubbed, like brushed it off. And I think that that says more than anything Dan Mullen has ever said. Uh, anything that's ever come out of Dan Mullen's mouth. <laughs> Walking real <laughs> small right now. Walking mm-hmm. real small. That's all I'm saying. Walking, walking real small. Small steps right now. I, I'm trying to figure out. I don't want to gender what I say about Dan Mullen, but I, I just want to say I think he, he's a he's a man who lacks conviction. Here we are at halftime, introducing a new sponsor. Our new sponsor is Homefield Apparel. You know them, you love them. They're premium collegiate apparel brand straight out of Indianapolis, if those of you know where that is. They have incredibly comfortable, officially licensed apparel with vintage college designs. Why are we talking about Homefield, Nathan? Well, they're paying us, but we talk about Homefield anyway because they're amazing. They're in the middle of what's called Big New Saturday. Every Saturday mm-hmm. uh, in the last... I think 10 weeks they have dropped a new school at noon on Saturday. And this is an important week for us because, of course, week 11, the school that's being dropped is Georgia or UGA. Georgia. We know them. We do know them. (laughs) Homefield digs through the archives and history of your school and finds unique logos, mascots, moments to make thoughtful designs for your school. And let me say that we have seen these designs. And it may be that one of them will have dropped by the time you listen to this on Friday at noon. We're going to see the shirt of the week. And let me tell you that we've seen these designs and they are, they are, they're more than thoughtful. They're spectacular. I I am, I am absolutely just Dairy Queen style dip coned in Georgia gear. And I can tell you (laughs) that everything that they sent us in the preview, I will absolutely go to the top of my wear list. If you Easily. are if you are a UGA fan and you are a weirdo or just someone who likes to wear clothes that don't look like everyone else's clothes, you need to be on mm-hmm. com this weekend. Absolutely. Absolutely. I am a huge fan of the one with the dog, and there's another yeah. one here with a dog. There are um, several with and dogs. This one also has a dog. I don't want to spoil I hope, I hope we don't lose our contract for, for spoiling this. There, there are some dogs. There's some red and mm-hmm. black. Um, this there's one some, says Georgia. There are some, yes, there are some Georgias on it so georgia is launching this saturday tomorrow when you listen to this probably august 14th uh Mm -hmm. 14 pieces of apparel uh there's t-shirts hoodies crewnecks uh, all vintage stuff that you won't see anywhere else they have had some other very good teams they've had notre dame lsu texas texas a&m wisconsin minnesota kentucky tennessee florida and miami i have to say i already own a home field pit uh pit panthers Mm -hmm. put put in hoodie with a pit panther that looks like he's either angry or stoned and i love him (laughs) it really classes up your whole aesthetic i'll say yeah yeah absolutely absolutely (laughs) you know what's really exciting about this is that our listeners get 15 percent off their first purchase from home field with a code chapel bell curve all caps no spaces that's chapel bell curve at checkout at homefieldapparel.com yeah chapel bell curve no spaces hit us up uh 15% off your first purchase and listen you you won't regret it these are some of the most comfortable shirts you'll ever own they are so soft their hoodies are so 
just i mean they're they're caligulan level decadent in their softness and yeah check them out thank you homefield for backing up the money truck to yeah. the loading dock of chapel yes Belker. the money truck and we are hoping some free shirts hey Yeah, it's our very favorite uh, segment of the show. If you have any questions you ever want us to answer for you, it does. Uh, you can just kind of shoot them over to us uh, through Twitter, through email, through just kind of drop them. You know, a little little note in one of our pockets. That works too. Yeah. If you make a show, if you take an origami crane and find Ooh. the you find the deep roads where the Fey walk, and you drop mm-hmm, it, mm-hmm. it will appear on our bedside tables. <laughs> in one of the four pockets in my pants. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you got uh, very it, you first question to, comes from not the unsealy court, the sealy court. So anyway, go ahead. See the court. The very first question comes from Ryan Scort Nielsen. Uh, how does recent Clemson drama affect the outcome of the up opening game? What drama? I don't know Justin yet. Ross actually, stuff? let's actually check. So last year, Georgia ran uh, passed the ball forty six percent of the time. Um, if you go. It's it's really interesting. If you go for the last three years, Georgia passed the ball uh, 43% of the time. Interesting. Huh. So, yeah. So, <laughs> Georgia is passing just under 50% of the time, and that has come up three percentage points over the last year. Um, and I think it's going to continue to go up quite a bit. 2019, Georgia's pass percentage was 45. Went down a little into, uh, in – or came up a little in 2020 to 46 I don't think that UGA is ever going to be over 50, but it wouldn't shock me mm. um, if that was. Obviously, Mississippi State is number one in 2020 with 74%. Uh, you got you know Purdue, USC, Troy, some other sort of air raid teams up top, Nevada. Not an air raid team, but still uh, adjacent. And then you know you, you got to go down, actually, interesting enough, interestingly enough, in terms of pass percentage, you have to go all the way down to 58 for Alabama, which threw 48% of the time. I, I would think that UGA is shooting for that 48 to 49%. So I would say probably a couple more percentage points coming up. Okay. Yeah. Uh, two more questions from our friend Rick Russell. Has JT Daniels inspired you to buy turtlenecks? Nope. I have a neck. Nope. I, have a, I have a turtleneck 100% of the time. I have to go shave it off right now. I like read I the, in the yeah. pre-show. I read that question and literally I was like, I have to go shave. Sorry. <laughs> Bye. Uh, and then when you look at JT Daniels's turtleneck, what poem comes to mind? Oh boy. <laughs> I just Googled turtleneck poems and I found something that said best turtleneck poems. You ready? Yeah. All right. This one is called Navy turtleneck. He wore a nerve. <laughs> Okay. He wore a navy turtleneck, and man, he looked so cute. An observation, I believe, nobody would dispute. I can't recall my outfit. Don't know if it factored. That's it. Um, I was going to go with John Dunn's The Flea. <laughs> what, mine's not good uh, enough? <laughs> yeah, no, the it's first not one at I all. Found. No, it's not even close to, to good enough. Sorry, I hate to tell you. Um, <laughs> John Donne is was uh, sort of a very short-lived poet who was just pre-Shakespeare, and he he is the poet who said 
art is the most passionate orgy within man's experience in the 1500s. Mm. Yeah. So, um, but the flea is just like, hey, girl. Hold on. I'll read it to you. All right. John Dunn's the flea. Mark but this flea and mark in this how little that which thou deniest me. It sucked me first and now sucks thee. And in this flea our bloods too mingled be. Thou knowest this that this cannot be said, a sin nor shame nor loss of maidenhead. Yet this enjoys before it woo, and pampered swells with one blade with one blood made of two, and this, alas, is more than we would do. That's just the first stanza. We could stop there, but I just want to point ooh, girl. out what he just you know, said was any poem. They whip out maidenhead and you're like, ooh, this is about to get hot and heavy. What he literally just said was Look how this flea bit both of us, and our bloods are intermingled with it, and the church is fine with that. You know what I mean? And this flea didn't even have to woo you. So I guess what I'm saying is, like, why aren't we doing it? Right? Like, what? This is like. This flea took the blood out of you already. Like, me (laughs) me taking your virginity is not a problem. This is basically come on, Eileen. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, except from like 1587, 88. He died real young. Yeah, John Donne is 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 like the secret secret horniest poet. I could have gone with Sappho, but that feels inappropriate because that's that's a <laughs> okay. I have wrong okay. Energy. This poetry segment has gone on way too long, but I have one more for you. You ready? This yeah. one is simply called Turtleneck. It goes like this: Demons lurk behind him, like the shadow of Rasputin. Turtleneck. Sitting in a tiny deli, he straightens the sleeves of his turtle neck. Pistol tucked between his warm corduroy pants and his turtle neck. The barflies ooh and ah when they see the pretty face of turtle neck. There's a lot more, um, and I was getting really into it, but you know what? I appreciate the beat poetry energy. That was better than It feels than very life. beat poetry. Oh, here, I'm about to piss off some English majors. That was better than every Jack Kerouac poem. Moving on. <laughs> Okay, next question. <laughs> hey, hey, you want to know something? And this, I'm about to, I'm about to make like three English majors run off the road. I don't like T. S. Eliot. I think the Wasteland. Yeah, and listen to me, different. I, I want to make this a- ASMR as possible. I think the Wasteland sucks. Anyway, oh shit, there's so much yeah, more of this. And here's poem, the best point. So good. Here's the best part. If you're listening to this and you like T. S. Eliot, you can't do anything about it. This is on. This is online forever. <laughs> I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get well, a fist fight later because pills. of that. Yeah. Next question comes from my God, a podcast. Is there inherent order in college football or is it all chaos and chance? I, I mean, I don't want to start a cult or anything, but I would say the chaos and chance of I think that from if you widen out your your sort of standard of scope, if you widen out the plane from which you view college football, eventually the chaos becomes the order. There is a sort of reliability in the in the same way that the 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 universe looks disordered, but the grand sweep of entropy and uh, and then compression of the universe is likened to the gods breathing in and out over the the vast millennia of time and space. That college football's chaos is its own sense, is in its own way just the South breathing in and out. That was the actual poetry corner. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> Let the spice spice flow, baby. Uh, yeah, let the spice slow flow. Dude's coming out in October. <laughs> I'm gonna go see it in theaters. I'm rereading I'm it for like the sixth my time. Pants. I love so it excited. So much. All right, let's uh, move on. Stage manager for life. This is Abby. UGA Chucks or Nikes? Uh, Nikes. I mean Nikes. Have you seen the new ones? Yes, they're very yeah, good. 
They're I love very, the very UJ good. chucks. I love the UJ chucks. Holy hell. I'm a low tops chuck guy. That's the thing. I don't really love the high tops. I'm not a big high tops guy. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a man yeah. with, I got, I got long feet. And they kind of look a little <laughs> clown chewy on me sometimes. Yeah, they kind of go that way. You uh, know, people make all these jokes me. about having long feet, but the only thing it's ever done for me is make me look like a clown. So I don't really know. <laughs> I haven't seen really any benefit in my life. Anyway, carry Big on. powerful feet on this guy. Uh, next question is Ryan. Is there anybody in the team that is criminally underrated? I mean, yeah. I, I, I think, I mean, not to repeat myself, but I think Tyke Smith, I think we're all... Some of us are out here sleeping on how good Tyke Smith is coming in as a transfer. Mm. I think I think Jordan Davis is is an easy answer, but I think maybe he might be getting closer to properly rated. Um, you know, I mean, I think there's some offensive linemen that probably we are we don't realize how good they are right now. Uh huh. Like I think Warren Erickson is a really good player. Yeah, I was trying to see if there's anybody in the like. I mean, we might see some more uh, Adonai Mitchell. Like, we might see something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A.D. Mitchell, yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Just because uh, I mean, he's somebody that Smart brought up on his own in press conferences this week. And so that kind of... I'm reading between the lines, of course. Like, that feels like it's mm-hmm. maybe worth saying. Yeah. Might be somebody who has something to say. Um, who is your breakout star pick of this year? Pick one for offense and defense. I... I think we're going to see a really big year out of uh, – it's hard to choose. I really, I mean, I just really think Eric Gilbert's going to have a great year. I think the two transfers, I think Eric Gilbert and Tyke Smith are really going to be the yeah. breakouts. I mean, I don't know if it counts as breakouts because they're very heralded right now, but they are, you know, um, I think they're both going to be really good. Yeah. I am very excited about um, Darnell Washington. I think he's going to have to step up. Um. And then on defense, yeah, I am excited to see Tyke Smith. I'm excited to, like, of the, like, everyone's going to be looking at Darian Kendrick and kind of seeing what, what he's all about and guys that are returning. But I, I'd like to think that Tyke Smith may show up and surprise some folks. Mm-hmm. Favorite, um, this is this is perhaps a sequel from last episode in a way because we started out that episode being upset about uh, the state of the, the Boogaloo state. Uh, so <laughs> favorite pattern button down shirt that you own. Hmm. This is hard. I have a black Difficult. shirt that has Marlins uh-huh. that I really love that, um, that it, it's like, it's just black. It's, I love black. Um, I have been informed that that is my shirt now, bitch, by my wife. So, um, <laughs> not sure. Wives, wives are so I, cool. My, my wives are amazing. Mine did just hostile takeover a lot of my stuff, uh, which I kind of like. I love when she wears my clothes. Not to be body. I don't want to be blue. <laughs> but um, I, I, yeah, I, I have the I have a shirt that you have that's like a sort of yellow, very soft, stretchy shirt that I think you and Ryan have. Um, uh-huh. Oh, yeah, you know, we do all have that shirt. Yeah, I like that one. It's a little short for my tall boy body, for my long dog body, but I do I do like one. But yeah, I think I have a black Marlin shirt. It's it's a very dad shirt, and I love it. It fits perfectly. You know, we have a shirt. I don't know if you have this problem, but like shirts don't fit me in length or in the shoulders. Every shirt I, I, I have, have the... is, is like a crop top that's about to rip off. And when I have one that really fits, it's like, oh, it's just like, oh, 
uh, look at me with my tailored Seville Row suit, you know? But <laughs> I have a problem with pants. I have a real big butt and a real little waist. And oh my and god, real we have big the thighs. opposite problem. I have yeah, giant thighs and, so it doesn't and tiny work. ass. I ripped every <laughs> pair of jeans. My tiny ass and my giant thighs are... It, you know the whole, like, I have two wolves inside of me and I feed the one that wins? Mm-hmm. The two wolves I have inside of me are my ass and my thighs. <laughs> my thunder thighs and my tiny ass. It's awful. Outstanding. Um, what's the smallest amount of money you would take to get a full speed hit from Lewis Scene? Uh, $10,000. How much? $10,000. $10,000? I don't even know if, like, what would, what would, what would break? I'm going to break something, I feel. Well, I mean, I think a concussion is the most likely thing. Yeah. It depends if you can brace yourself. The problem is there is an art to getting hit, and there's even mm-hmm. more of an art to getting hit by a college football player at the height of his, his you know, prowess. And there's even I more like an art it, of getting yeah. hit by a Lewis scene who is like a dude who beats you with an axe handle in the back of a, an Arby's parking lot in South Georgia or whatever. <laughs> That's a real experience Nathan had. Next question. Can we get the, the fuckable llama printed on turtlenecks in the CBC per- merch store? <laughs> like, a, we, I just want like the little one, like the, um, what is that? Like the, that brand with the alligator that's on the yeah, polos? Lacoste, is that just Lacoste? polo? Co- Lacoste, yeah, Lacoste. That's what it is. We got a little no. llama just on the neck. I, I, okay. I, I'm going to go ahead and go out that I am against us ever printing any turtleneck apparel because I hate turtlenecks. <laughs> I would do a sort of like knit polo, like a very old school you know those old Lacoste polos that had like the big vertical, the big horizontal stripes that were very lame. You know what I uh-huh. mean? I would They're do one of polos, those. Yeah. yeah, the rugby po- a rugby polo with the tiny little llama. I would do that. That'd be really good. They make those with Pokemon now. I've seen them recently, but uh, yeah. they're very oh, good. Oh, you know what else I would do is I I really think a a CBC Hawaiian shirt with all of the different CBC art assets just like slapped on yes. it would be very cool. I've, I've thought about this and I want it. I also want it on like a fanny pack. Very bad. Um, I want we'll it. I see. want like a, I want like a five XL CBC Hawaiian shirts so that I look like a K-pop star wearing a, <laughs> like a my size shirt. You know, I want to uh-huh. wear my, like, I want to be like a little boy wearing my dad's shirt. <laughs> also Spirits. the amount of cbc listeners that reached out or commented on um my personal announcement this week <laughs> that said that's my dad or something dad related uh was was very it felt good <laughs> yeah it's very funny and like you could be, a, my professional you could be a profe- yeah you could be a professional and still be a zaddy they got it they mm-hmm. like i f- i think it's really funny that now that you've joined well, I'm not in these ranks, but now that you have ascended above us into the the works of real respectable professionals, that that like your version of like, oh, he's like a he's secretly like Christian Gray and he's a dom at home or whatever, you know. Your version of that is that you have like a weird you have a weird podcast that that calls you dad. Like that's <laughs> that's actually weirder than if it was like you're into weird sex stuff. <laughs> it's like yeah, mm-hmm. he has this podcast that he says. Is about a stat is stats based about Georgia football, but it's really not. And they talk about llamas sometimes and fanny packs. Who can say? Who could say? They say who they could say. They say the phrase "who could say" a lot. Because who can really? I mean, what is it about? I mean, I think it's a reflection of like the inherent uncertainty and chaos of college football. Right? That's like it's like Mm -hmm. fear is the mind killer. It's our version of the the Benny Gesserit chant. This is culture. Yeah, this is culture. And if you can't accept it, then you need yeah. to if you yeah, can't figure yourself out. If you can't handle me at my chapel bell curve, you don't deserve me at my <laughs> books for keeps. 
<laughs> oh boy. Uh, instead of the Dr. James Bearfield troll corner, I think we have like the, 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 the Yara troll corner. I'm not sure. I don't have anything clever to, to add. Some of these but, are very uh, good. Yara, I will say Yara, just now say official red coat truck driver. So congratulations for her oh. to her or to them for being a terrifying human who now has a CDL, I think. So <laughs> do you need a CDL to drive those? I, I don't think you do, but I think sometimes they get them. And also just like the idea that they were scary when they weren't behind a truck, you know, like their power like uh-huh. over 9,000. Like that's all I'm saying. Incredible. Okay. Also the well, way, let's, let's throw the some way these that Yara there, phrases then. her questions are, are just, it, it's just a work of art. All right. Hit me. All right. First question. Hey, I got a tweet notification about our Lord and Savior Kirby Smart tweeting, good dogs, but in the chaos of moving into my first college apartment, parentheses, woo, I have not had time to see what the fuck happened. Who did we get? Are they good? Uh, yes. Our last commitment was from a three-star offensive lineman, Griffin Scoggs from Grayson. He is good, but also it is very, very funny that his whole family is... Uh, uh, I think they're all Florida and Tennessee and Georgia Tech fans. Like he had just mm. gone on a visit to Georgia Tech because his family wanted him to go, and then he committed to Georgia. And so that's but, mm, yeah. Mm. Hashtag Ram so Squad. Yeah. Hashtag Ram Squad. Yeah. There you go. My Grayson boys. Uh, two. Do you guys think we're getting Bear back to committing to the UGA? Why or why not? He's talking. She's talking about Bear Alexander, who is a, uh-huh. a the number one D- interior defensive tackle. And I hate to say this, but no, I do not. Because Bear Alexander is from uh, Texas, and it sounds like that Texas A&M has the inside track right now. Cool. Any Although, tips? God, I wish not. Any tips referring to first college apartment? I am struggling, and as a first-gen American college student, have no idea what to do. And I really like that no idea what to do are all caps, like a, like yeah. a headline. Yeah. I, Yara, I'm going to call you. Or like text you because I have a lot of advice, but I guess we can talk about some stuff. Yes. What, what, what's absolutely. your like? What's your like practical first college apartment like? How to keep the college apartment running? Advice. Um, I got really into dumpster diving, <laughs> and I don't mean like like digging for food or anything. It was more like that's how I furnished my apartments in college. Uh, and it worked out really, really well. So that was one way I did that. Other than that, it was like, uh, I, I, you know, money came and went and I had to remember that money just kind of came and went as often as possible. Cause otherwise I would just be sad and cry, uh, because I just had none of it. Um, but yeah, I would, uh, just take a step back, look at the situation, breathe yeah. and never stop asking for help if it's what you need. Yeah. I just... I just texted Yara and said, do you need any help with anything? Yes. I would say, yeah, <laughs> we just got some advice from Abby saying to write down your bills on a whiteboard if you're splitting rent or bills. That's a good one. I would say... Ooh, I will say in the realm of finances, one thing that helped me is I broke my finances down into how much do I owe for each bill per day? And then that would that made it more manageable. I was like, okay, I owe a dollar per rent per day. That's not true. But, you know, for God, the sake that be of this great? example. Yeah. Um, and that helped me understand how much I actually owed at the end of the month. So I wasn't just kind of blindsided, uh, when it came around favorite mm-hmm. song at the moment. Well, hold on. I have why. one, I have one more piece of advice. You have one Sorry. more. Yeah. My other piece of advice is to get a good toolkit and don't just go get like a Walmart crappy toolkit. There is a mm-hmm. very, very good, um, there's a, there's two tools that you can get 
if you end up, well, well, like three things you can get that will pretty much handle you. Okay. One, Ikea has a tool set that is like $20 that will get you 80% of the way there. Two, if you buy a cheap uh, ratchet set at Home Depot, you can get them from like Cobalt or, uh, you know, like one of the little, like smaller brands that isn't like one of the big ones for pretty cheap. And then three, a pair of, um, a pair of channel locks. If you have an Ikea tool set, some ratchets, some channel locks, and then like some WD-40, you can pretty much take away, take, take apart anything in your house. The, there is mm-hmm. the Ikea tool set is so cheap and it will get you through 90% of the stuff you need to do. Yeah. I remember it being like nine ninety nine or something ridiculous. Yeah, it's, like something it's, dumb. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm pulling it up right now. It is, it's called Fixa and it is literally $10 and yeah. please, please get it. It is, it is the way to go. Uh, Very it does helpful. not have it does not have ratchets, which is pretty much the only thing it's missing. Um, but you can get a really, really, really good ratchet set for pretty cheap, and then you'll pretty much have everything you need. Other than if you if you're in a house where you have to like work at all with like uh, your washer and dryer, you probably want some channel locks. And WD forty is just really good because it keeps everything from squeaking and sounding crappy or getting stuck. What's your favorite song well, right now and why? Um, my favorite song is this song from TikTok called Eat Spit because it's a banger. And and all I do is get on TikTok right now. Uh-huh. I have two favorite songs. So I really love um, I cannot making, believe you just posted like, what you just posted. Why? No, I mean, I did, not in a bad way. Like, I love it. It's just... I, it's I, incredible. I'm shocked. So... I'm posting two songs. I, I just said, uh, there's a song. It's the Arthur theme song by the magic gang. They did a remix and it is absolute audio bliss and it brings me back to childhood and I love it so much. And then I have another one that I, I was in Bouvet the other day. Bouvet is a little cafe here in Athens. Uh, that is fantastic. It's where I do most of my meetings whenever I have to meet people or I get coffee on Fridays and that's where I do my work. Cause our office is closed on Fridays. Um, and I was at the counter and I looked at the, the two people behind the bar and I was like, what is this song? And they were like, it's called dumb bitch juice. And I was like, are you for real? And they were like, absolutely. And, and then they continued on and they said, there's two kinds of people in the world, honey. There's people that need coffee to wake up in the morning. And there's people that need to do a line of Coke to wake up in the morning. And I was like, which are you? And they said, I'll never tell <laughs> as dumb bitch juice was just blaring Bouvez, at nine in the morning. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Incredible. Uh, One of the best eat, experiences. Because I want to be like as hood rat as possible. Um, eat spit. And then I've been listening to a lot of, um, well, this is not actually very hood rat. I've also been listening to a lot of Wolfpack because Wolfpack is my favorite band and I can't get over them. Yes. So is outstanding. if you want to start somewhere with a Wolfpack, I would say back pocket. I think back pocket is like, I might be one of It might, I don't know if it's my favorite song, but it's certainly in the like top 10. And I listen to it. It is back pocket is like, Eat spit is when you want to either fight or have sex, and back pocket is when you just need serotonin. That's all Wolfpack. It's like just kind of like I feel like I if somebody asked me like what does it mean to just vibe? Yeah, I wouldn't be able to explain it in words, but I'd be able to explain it in Wolfpack. Vol- Wolfpack, if you or Animal Spirits is another really good Animal mm-hmm. Spirits. It's just like the most beautiful little love song. It's so sweet, and it just it just pops. Oh. Oh man, I I can't just give one. An artist that I've really been into that I actually think you would really like, uh, mm-hmm. Justin. This artist called Remy Wolf. She is like a um, 
she's like a bedroom pop person, but she has a giant, powerful voice. And she has this song called Liz that I highly recommend. All right. I will look it up. Next question. What was your favorite TV show growing up as a kid? Why? Personally, mine was Fetch with Rough Ruffman, but I don't know if that was on when millennials were children. So, yeah, I have no idea what that show is. Yeah, me neither. Um, <laughs> what was your favorite? <laughs> I need to think about it. Oh, so this is oh, this show looks hilarious, and I will watch it. Um, for me, I so I loved TV. I loved cartoons. I still watch cartoons right now, like every weekend. It's still very much tradition on Sunday and Saturday mornings, depending on which one I have time to do. But I so I almost made a podcast about um the psychology behind cartoon shows and there were a few episodes recorded with my friend kylie and we never released them um but it was something very important to us and very fun and then we decided it was just going to be ours so um i love very many cartoons dexter's lab was my very favorite um i also really loved ed ed and eddie encourage the cowardly dog i loved arthur i loved beast wars transformers um so many good 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 tv shows but dexter's lab is very much where i get like most of my humor and i was also we were that that generation where youtube was just kind of starting and so a lot of my humor comes from like old youtube channels that were short videos um balloon shop it's not really a tv show i know but balloon shop is is something that i treated like a tv show i would sit down and watch it much like kids do today on youtube um back in the day so that's a little bit about that's a little bit about me. What about you, Nathan? Um, yeah, so Homestar Runner was a big one oh, for me. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Um, I think that another big one... So I, I think I have TV shows that aged well and TV shows that didn't. So, like, probably my favorite TV show as, like, a 14, 15-year-old was Gundam Wing, which is just, like, Ooh, yeah. a very deeply weird show. And I don't mm-hmm. know how it's, it's aged well in the sense that it's like a meme, but I don't know if it's actually good. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, another one, I like uh, one that has aged well. I really was into Cowboy Bebop as a kid. And that's kind of where I started being into jazz was Cowboy Bebop because all of the titles, the, the soundtrack is very like big band jazz, but all of the mm-hmm. titles are uh, jazz songs and albums. And so I would like listen to them or whatever. Um, and I also there's a show that I rejected that I now think is good is Fully Cooly, uh, yes. because when I watched it when I was like 15 I was like this is kind of too porny right like I feel bad I'm watching this and now I watch it and I'm like oh crap this is about like what it's like to grow up and like what it feels like to be an mm-hmm. adolescent and like the awkwardness of it which I guess was why I hated it when I was experiencing it because I was like I don't this is not escape I'm not escaping anything I don't want to be vulnerable here. yeah yeah but now I now I love it but. I, I was also big into Dexter's Lab. I I have always had a weakness for shows about women. So um, I have watched a lot of Powerpuff Girls. I've watched mm. all the Gilmore Girls. I hated Gilmore Girls when I watched it the first time, but I like it now. I've watched most of Gossip Girl. I really liked. Uh, and I have to tell you, I love Gossip Girl. Pretty much every woman, every episode of Xena, Warrior Princess, and this one. That's not shocking. This one is shocking. Like I, I think every episode, front to back multiple times of dr quinn medicine woman um those two really explain a lot about my personality i think (laughs) did you watch that with your mother at first but then it was then it stopped being that and it started being you know i just liked it because you know she was a midwife and my mom was a midwife it was cool that's why i asked yeah at first it was because of her but then it was like you know the cool and then xeno warrior princess was like 
Nate, 13 year old Nathan being like, my tummy feels funny. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> this just awakened something in me. Oh, yeah. Um, next question. Thoughts on Caden green. I, I think she's referring to the, they're referring to rather the, uh, four star offensive mm-hmm, tackle mm-hmm. who committed to Oklahoma. I don't know that we're getting him back either i think that i think the offensive line room is relatively full right now and that we're gonna have our time i i think that even alabama runs into this problem occasionally where it's just like at some point there are going to be certain positions that you're just going to be light on because you don't need them as much mm-hmm. i think that the scogs i i think that when Scoggs committed i cannot remember his first name the guy from grayson that we literally just talked about it's like Braston Scoggs or Breston Scoggs. Or, it's Griffin. Um, it's Griffin Scoggs. Gri- <laughs> Griffin Scoggs you know, is a, a real human name. Yeah. he Yeah. That yours were like Durnbum and Promslor <laughs> and Tinskadan. Those are all from a uh, bit. And but, Philadelphia. Um, yeah. Griffin Scoggs. I don't know that we accept his commitment and that it goes public if we don't think that we've missed on some offensive linemen, if that makes sense. He's a good player, but he's a three star. So, yeah. What's your favorite summer Olympic sport so far? Personally, I've loved the fucking race walking event. It's so silly, and I I agree. I'm so glad that somebody else knows what race walking is. Race walking have, is so silly. I love it. I so have much. I have a new one. Uh huh. Because I watch a lot of YouTube videos since we last recorded, and my new favorite is team archery, because it is amazing and so tense, and they have to shoot six arrows, two apiece in rotation in a certain amount of time and they only have a certain amount of time to be up at it and so in the gold medal match there was a moment where like if the guy from korea it was south korea versus uh taiwan or chinese taipei or whatever you want to call it and um Mm -hmm. the south korean guy was the last shooter and basically of the of the final match and if he hit like an eight or up he won uh, but he had like 15 seconds left when he stepped to the line so he was holding the arrow, and I shoot archery too, so this, I guess I like it more, but he was holding the arrow, and they were like counting down behind him with five seconds left, and he's like 38, he's like way older than his two teammates, and he like just let it go and look back at them, and then nailed it for the gold, uh, for the gold, and it was just like, and like, just go watch the team archery gold medal round. The South Korean team is like a sitcom waiting to happen. There's like a 16-year-old who's like yells too much, and they clearly don't like that he yells every time he makes a shot. And there's like a 20-year-old who's like a big old <laughs> dork with glasses who's just like trying to quiet down the 16-year-olds. And then there's like a 38-year-old who's like close to retirement and just had it with this shit, you know? And it's so good. It's so good. I want to write like fanfic. I want to write a pilot episode of a TV show about the South Korean team archery team. Do you think, this is the next question, do you think we're going to get Jaheim Singletary because he just uncommitted, decommitted from Ohio State? And in parentheses, fuck Ohio State. I actually think we might. Uh, agreed with fuck Ohio State. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I, think, I think, you know. <laughs> end, end of answer? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. The, the second part's more important than the first, but I do think we are in the, I guess you would say, the catbird seat. Catbird? And that's right. it. We're the leader in the clubhouse. Yep. That's the show. We did it. We talked about sports. We did it. Other stuff. You want to see us out? This is the Chapel Bell Curve. If you like what you heard here today, you can follow us on Instagram, which I started posting on again, Twitter, or Facebook at Chapel Bell Curve. If you would like to support the show, you can find us at patreon.com forward slash Chapel Bell Curve. We have a lot of great patrons that are, you know, in a very fun Discord and community that 
are just the thirstiest people alive. And I'll let you interpret what mm. that word means. Uh, the Patreon is also how we've been able to make this show, let's say, marginally more professional. It's how we yeah. are able to uh, be searching for an editor. It's how we are able to invest in stuff like merch stores. And, you know, we think that if you like what you hear today and you want to be part of this community that, you know, you should be. And it's only $1 a month. So we highly recommend you come join us here. If you have a question for us, you can hit us up at uh, any of our social media or at chapelbellcurve at gmail.com. And we will catch you in the Classic City or in Charlotte in a few weeks. But until then, go dogs. Go dogs. Yeah. You just had to get one in. <laughs> it's one more. <laughs> it's one more. We're not done. <laughs> <laughs>